Starting out inside the 15, Thompson. He's going to launch it deep downfield. Right in stride. Trey Palmer is gone. Touchdown, Nebraska. One play, 87 yards. Really, Palmer is running a big punch, but watch the routes underneath it. How many defensive safeties Welcome back to another episode of Run the Damn Ball. This is your host, Daniel Magnuson. We talk Nebraska, college football, and everything in between. There's been a lot going on in college football uh, from this past couple weeks, and that's on and off the field, of course. So Nebraska has a new head coach for the football team, and some other schools also have made you know coaching changes around the country. So we're going to break that down, also talk about rivalry week. That just happened in college football as well this past weekend. And then, um, yes, we're going to get into all of that. My guest today is Josh Lill. Uh, Josh is a junior here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and he's majoring in sports media and broadcasting. That's right, right? Yes. Thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, yeah, no, I remember that because actually I remember meeting you. We met a long time ago. Yeah, I remember meeting you. There was the COVID year. Yeah. So we couldn't play basketball at the rec. But we could go to like there are these other places that people would go to play ball. We went to Lincoln. Were you at the Lincoln Christian yeah, runs? Lincoln that's, Christian. Yep. So that's I think that's when I met you. So I remember going to Lincoln Christian um, back in the day. So I think that's when I met you. You were a freshman at the time, right? Yeah. And then we didn't even see each other for like a year. So <laughs> I don't think I saw you for a while until. I mean, I probably would see you here and there, but now we have a class together. Um, so shout out Brian Petrada, the sports media professor we got right now. <laughs> But uh, excited to have you on. So anyway, uh, how are you doing today? I know we both are watching the soccer game. Well, we got the result we wanted. I mean, the U.S., they put together a complete game, I feel like. And they did the same against England, really, uh, besides obviously putting the ball in the net, eh? And uh, against Wales, they had a really good first half, obviously, you know, scoring. But then they really just backed off, and they were playing conservatively. They weren't trying to win. They were just trying to hold Wales uh, just keep them at bay, and I think that costed them. But at the end of the day, they came out against Iran. I think a lot of people thought it would be a blowout. Uh, but the U.S., they came in. Obviously, that crazy sequence of events for the goal. Um, it was a great header, and obviously the U.S. I'm not the best with the names on the U.S. on the U.S. team yet, but uh, the guy who scored it, you know, he took a big injury. Yeah, that was uh, Christian Pulisic was the one who got, I mean, he's like the big name guy. Captain America. For Team USA, yeah. So he got the goal. I was preparing for this podcast. So I was pretty much typing on my laptop <laughs> while I was at Beer House in the Haymarket. And then I looked up and like, I hadn't watched any of the game, but I just happened to look up and then five seconds later, we scored the goal. So that was exciting. But yeah, no, we're talking soccer now, right? But uh, World Cup <laughs> is right football. now. I mean, I n never would I think that I'd be looking outside and see snow coming down, and then I'm watching the World Cup. That just would never, you know, it's always a summer thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here in Lincoln, it's snowing a little bit right now. But, um, yeah, no, USA 1-0 win. They played Netherlands on Saturday morning. That's the game. So, hey, you know what? We got football not only in America, but, you know, across the globe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, looking forward to that. But, okay, big news here in Lincoln, Nebraska. 
Nebraska football hires Matt Rule as their new head coach. And, uh, you know, if you watch the coaching search throughout the last three months, which months, which I'm sure you have, uh, that was one of the, the major, like, two or three names that kept coming up. So was that a surprise to you, or, are you you know, what do you think about all this? It honestly wasn't really a surprise to me, Dan. I think uh, I personally was a guy that kind of wanted to see them go a little deeper with Deion Sanders, but uh, my bus driver in the morning, he loves to have the radio on, and every morning it was Matt Rule this, Matt Rule that, and then we would talk sometimes on the bus, you know. He'd tell me, what do you think about this? Like, Mickey's my guy, and I'm like, you know what, Mickey... Mickey's a good coach. He's definitely better on the offensive side. As Dan, we did see the offense take a big jump from last year to this year, right? So he's good in that sense. But can he help coach a defense as well? Because that's the job as the head coach. you got to be able to maintain both sides of the ball. We, were, we didn't really see it on the defensive side. So I think going out, getting a new coach was the right idea. Again, I think we'll get into our, uh, who we thought could have been a better candidate for the job later. But in terms of Matt Rule... Uh, it's no surprise to me. I've, I heard this from every everybody. It was all over Twitter. And, you know, good for him. It's it's a good job. Uh, it's probably one of the most daunting tasks in college football right now, to say the least. Yeah, it really is. I think when Nebraska was in the Big 12, they still kind of had their recruiting footprint that was, you know, they could get the guys out of Texas and – they were, you know, the perennial team in the Big 12 North. And so they kind of had a better recruiting footprint, uh, footprint. But when they, you know, moved to the Big 10, ever since then, they've really struggled to have an identity as a team. Um, you know, for a couple years, they had Bo Pelini and, you know, they had an identity. But that only lasted, you know, the first uh, several years in the Big 10. And then after that, it was like Mike Riley, Scott Frost. And it was like they never really got an actual identity with those teams. And so that's been about, you know, that's been a quite a, you know, couple years now and so that was a big issue and so the biggest thing for Matt Rule going forward he's got to we got to establish an identity as a team uh, which I mean shoot what was our identity this year I mean it changed you know first couple games we were pretty awful we lost Northwestern Mm -hmm. the worst team in power five probably (laughs) and then you know we turn around get back-to-back big 10 wins struggle for a stretch lose some games we could have won but you know I guess we can get back to Matt Rule. The Iowa win was the best win this team's had and I don't even know how long, a couple of years. Yeah, it was just seeing the team run out on the field after, you know, they the you know, the clock hit zero. I think we need, you know, Casey Thompson needs the ball. And then here we go. Team runs on the field, grabs the trophy. It was like every single it was like that it, it 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 doesn't make up for all the losses, obviously, but it was like that was a moment where it looked like things were going south for like about twenty minutes of the game, the last you know chunk of the game. You know, Iowa scores fourteen, then they start get a field a field goal after causing a turnover, and it's a, it's a one score game. Nebraska ends up getting a pick, and from Chris Kalarvik, and then boom, you know they're going to go on to win the game uh, after that because, you know, they all they got to do is need the ball. And, like, seeing the team run off with the trophy, Garrett Nelson's, you know, running with the fans, touching the trophy, it was like that was a moment they've been needing for uh, over two years now. So that was awesome to see. And then I think just if you look at, you know, you look at Iowa's program in Nebraska, okay, Iowa, a team that you look at their transfer portal on 247, they don't really do that. They don't really use the transfer portal. It's nope. just their guys. Yep. And they they maintain, which I respect that. But what we saw is, all right, transfer portal players, Casey Thompson, 
another two guys, Marcus Washington and, of course, Trey Palmer, all had huge games. So it was kind of like the transfer portal versus, like, a establishment Big 12 program – or Big 10, excuse me, program. And then it was just that's what won out. You know, you put – you put one guy on Trey Palmer, good luck. That's what that's what's gonna happen. He's gonna pop off for 180 yards. So one on one, he's one of the best receivers, if not maybe maybe he could be one of the best in terms of one on one man man on man cover man to man coverage. Um, but one way they use utilized him a lot is yes, is he a deep ball threat? There's no doubt. His speed is out of this world. But his speed being out of this world per se. It gives you the ability to run these bubble screens, these three-yard outs that turn into 20-yard gains. That's the beauty of Trey Palmer's game, uh, and they use that to their advantage pretty frequently in the Iowa game. They took a couple shots, obviously, one resulting in a touchdown, but I did notice a lot in the first half before the Nebraska offense started to break down a little that it was the short game with Trey Palmer that ended up being their big gains. Yeah, the first drive of the game, I think it was, they did a bubble to Trey Palmer. He takes off for maybe eight or more yards. But what the big statement was, Marcus Washington puts his shoulder in Cooper Dijon's chest, knocks him out of the game. Dude got a concussion. It was gone. Okay? And so that's like a, like that's a starting corner being taken out. I mean, obviously we didn't, like, hunt him. But, you know, big play right there. And so they got to put in a backup corner who ends up getting burnt by Marcus Washington later on in the game. So little things like that make a big difference. And so I was just so happy to see Nebraska finally beat Iowa. It was way too long. <laughs> it's been overdue. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, I mean, we could get into the Iowa win more, but it's kind of like that game – it was a big, you know, celebration to finally win that game. But, you know, next morning, Saturday morning, it's uh, college game day. And boom, Matt rules on college game day. We already, like, pretty much done deal. We got him, right? Did we get South Carolina's offensive coordinator? Or is that <coughs> very rumored right now? Um, sorry, I just coughed while you were talking about Oh, that. you're good. <laughs> uh, I'm battling a cough this week. But, okay, so is his last name Scatterfield? Yes. I should have wrote he, all this down because there's a bunch of assistant names that have been coming up over the last, like, 48 hours. So, um, according to the ever-reliable Yahoo News, South Carolina offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield to be hired at Nebraska. Now, Daniel, that brings in the question, is Spencer Rattler coming? Oh, God. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. But that is a topic for another okay. time. But I think at the end of the day— you get a guy like Scatterfield working with Mickey Joseph. Scatterfield obviously able to turn around South Carolina's program this year. And, you know, you talk about maybe not so much with Spencer Rattler, but he does have that influence on other South Carolina offensive players. Can he bring them over? I think him and Joseph would work very well together. Yeah, South Carolina just had two big wins. They beat Clemson back-to-back. Oh, excuse me. They didn't, not back-to-back. -back. They beat Tennessee and Clemson back-to-back. -back. Top five, Tennessee, and Clemson, I believe, was number eight. eight yeah. Yep. So, first time they beat Clemson since, I don't even know. I don't even know. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that was a huge win for them, back-to-back -back weeks. So, they're hot. Looks like we're going to get him at OC. And then, on top of that, we got the running back coach from UConn that just came in today, actually. So, I guess Brian Applewhite's gone. And then they hired a special teams coach, and then I think they have two defensive coaches they have figured out. I, I'm gonna wait to get on all that until that's all like announced mm -hmm. officially. Yes, and, you know it's kind of up in the air, but um, 
the transfer portal and everything is just going to be a complete mess over the next month. Like, I don't even... It is. I think Nebraska <laughs> is going to clean up uh, in the transfer portal. I think they're making a lot of the right moves. And again, Rule's a guy. He doesn't really have the NFL resume, but at the end of the day, Daniel, college and NFL are two completely different things. And I think the biggest, 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 uttermost example is Chip Kelly. And Urban Meyer. Yes. Both of them. Yeah. I think Urban Meyer Nick might Saban. be... Exactly. Yeah. Wasn't Saban with the Titans? He was with the Dolphins, Dolphins. for maybe like a year or two. And yeah. Just, they were bad. I think because he's a control freak. And you can't control, <laughs> control freak professionals. Professional athletes. Yeah. I, I will say with Matt Rule, in the last two colleges he's been at, Temple and Baylor, his record in his his combined record in his first season with Temple and his first season with Baylor, 3-21. and 21. So for the Huskers, I... There could be talent available, right? But I wouldn't say expect a complete turnaround. Again, you're coming into a new system, especially after coming out of the NFL. It takes time, but he, you know, he has been successful in his third year as um, the Temple head coach. I mean, he went ten and two. He won the uh, what division? AAC East division, and then lost the conference title game. But then won the conference title the following year, so he was able to win at Temple. Uh, and he actually, fun fact, he beat his alma mater, Penn State, uh, back in uh, 2015 with Temple. That's their first win against Penn State since 1941. Dang, I didn't know that they beat Penn State that year. Yeah, Penn wow. State was good. Dang. Those were the uh, Saquon days. And then when he went to Baylor, I mean, started out 1-11, and then went 6-6, six and six, beat Vanderbilt in a bowl game, then went 7-6. and six. And then in 2019, the big one was they finished 11 and one. I mean, they lost yeah. to ba- they lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game, but and then they lost to Georgia, I believe, in their in the yeah. Sugar Bowl. So that was a really good Georgia team, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Nothing like the late 2010s Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. <laughs> they they just show up with that's the thing about those schools like Georgia, Florida, LSU is like it kind of it does matter who's head coach, but it kind of doesn't. No. If you know what I mean. with like, your players, it's just like point. you could just throw out any coach and they'll just go ball out for no reason. Like. Yeah. Ed Orgeron, above average head coach, coached one of the best teams of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, definitely, I don't think we're a complete rebuild. Mm-mm, no. We have a lot of good players. Um, we also need a lot of good players, too. But um, we're not quite as bad, of course, as where Baylor was at that time. Yeah. And we're not, you know, a, a mid program like Temple. So we should not be that much of a turnaround. Uh, it really is just the little things that we need to improve on. And so looking forward to that. Another big news that came out, I believe, like maybe the day after Matt Rule was Luke Fickle is going to Wisconsin now. Of course, Fickle was at Tennessee or Fickle's at Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I said Tennessee. That's funny. But that's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but so he's going to Wisconsin. Some Nebraska people were like, why didn't we get him? And I do kind of get that sentiment, but also I think we needed more of a rebuild than someone who's just a, I don't know, I felt like rules a little bit better for us right now, but what do you think? Yeah, I think when you take a guy uh, like Luke Fickle, you look at his resume, I'm counting right now, five seasons, no, no, excuse me, five different positions at Ohio State, spent I think 15 years with them. Uh, this is more of a defensive guy, um, someone who has experience as a D-line coach, special teams, linebackers, co-defensive coordinators, a bit of an interim head coach. 
um, linebacking. He has more of that defensive side. Now, that makes sense for why he went to Cincinnati. Again, Marcus Freeman left Cincinnati to come to Notre Dame. They kind of filled the void, and Luke, and Luke did that. Um, I think I get why people might be upset, and it's for the reason when you talk about defense. The defense was atrocious this year. And we were talking about it before the podcast. This is a philosophy I walk around town saying, if you take this year's offense and last year's defense, we're a nine-plus win team. We win our bowl game. Heck, maybe you win the Big Ten. We could have been a nine-win team last year if the offense just That's, had, That is true. If the offense yeah. had any, like, backbone in the fourth quarter last year. That's also true. But, yeah, This no. year, you're talking more of a stable offense with, obviously, a rock-solid defense last year. You look at all the guys you lost. I mean, you lost three of your four defensive backs. So, in the end, some people, I think, figure, yo, let's go, let's go for the defensive coach, someone to build it up. But at the end of the day, I think he's above where we are right now. Rule, you know, you talk about how his press conference was. This is a guy who wants to bring his family here. He wants to bring culture. Yes, he talked about winning, but I think he talked about more building something special here rather than, I'm coming in. Let's win, let's ball, and then you go home at the end of the night. You know, I feel like Rule is putting more of his soul into this than I think a lot of coaches would. It sounds like, and maybe I'm biased saying this because I'm similar personality-wise, but Rule is very much like a community guy. Like he wants to be involved with, you know, not just football, but just like the overall Lincoln community, which is really good. And it seemed like Frost really wanted absolutely nothing to do with that. (laughs) He just wanted to go to practice, you know, do whatever, and then, like, hang out with his buddies and never talk to the media and just, like, live his life. And then he just expected that all to work out. And obviously that that did not work out at all. Nope. And so another thing that I thought was interesting, uh, rule – Gosh, dang it. That's Beer House right there. Um, Rule talked to Frost on Sunday or yes. something after he got hired. So I think that's interesting. I mean, I just wonder – I if Scott Frost went on a podcast, I would listen to that because I wonder, like, what is, is going through his head after all this. I have a story. So I have a friend who um, – she went to the Georgia Southern game, and I think she's friends with – someone in the program and so she got like a free ticket and she was in the tunnel walk before the game and Scott Frost went up to her and uh her friend and he said and this is like right before the Georgia Southern game in the tunnel as he's about to walk out and he's like I have a really good feeling about today and like yada 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 and then no he keeps walking well that was the last game he coached so yeah you had a good feeling but it didn't work out I think he was just completely delusional the whole time my take on it, my take, Dan, is that if you have a talent or whatever, you have a certain skill set that not a lot of people possess, you work at it, right? Mm-hmm. You would think whether it's music, whether it's sports, whether it's sports broadcasting like we're doing, you, you work at it to perfect it. If you're naturally gifted, you shouldn't just settle with it. Always try to make improvements. And I think the fact that he's from here, the fact that he played here, the fact that he won a title – just because you did that doesn't mean you're guaranteed coaching wins. You you have to go out every day like you're playing Bama or Georgia that weekend. Be relentless as possible. You can't ride off of the success you had as a player. 
you have to build your own success, and then you know, and then you can ride off of it. But as a coach, obviously, but what's done is done in the past. You're coaching now. It's a totally different thing. And granted, yes, we're eight of the nine losses last year by seven or less points. Yes, and <laughs> that's kind of on the players Ouch. at times. But true. You know why was it a one possession game? Why wasn't it a two possession game or a three possession game? Coaching. And I think that was the issue. Like you mentioned, you know, oh, I have a good feeling about Georgia Southern. You don't just walk up to someone and say that. You just say, we'll go get them today. Yeah. That's what you – it's – I don't – it's one – I don't know. It's one thing to say, like, I, I think a lot of people do, you know, oh, you know, I feel good about today. That's what a fan does. A coach, I wouldn't even say anything. I would walk out there stone cold. You're ready to go. You're I've, locked in. I'd be the, you know, the emoji on, on your phone. It's like the stone face from like that the little island. It's like, I don't know. I'll have to show you right yeah, now. Yeah, let me, let me. It's just like a face that's just the stone face. That should be your mentality every single football game. Um, it looks like, let's see here. Is it the one with like the straight eyes? Yeah, the straight look, mouth? At, look at the top one. The little stone. Oh, yep. Yeah, that should be your mentality before every football game. You shouldn't be going up to fans going, oh, yeah, I think we're going to have a good game. What? what? <laughs> Stupid. I mean, that. Yeah. I don't want to poop on him too much. Sorry. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think that was the biggest issue there. So I think Rule calling him, I think that, that definitely would be an interesting conversation. But what we do know, Dan, is that he just said to Scott, you know, I'm going to honor you as a player and a coach and just – try to do Nebraska proud because at the end of the day, you take away what Scott Frost did as a coach as a player. He left an unbelievable legacy. There's no doubt. And I think rule was not calling Scott Frost, the coach. He was calling Scott Frost, the alum, the Nebraska player, the hero that helped win a title. That's who I believe he was calling. He wasn't calling Frost, the coach. That would be a, uh, not a good move. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that he said they were friends. So they know each other probably from like coaching in the mm-hmm. past or something. I don't know what the case is. But anyway, um, the Big Ten is even more stacked now at head coach overall. Uh, just looking at, like, the Big Ten West, I mean, I think the just with how bad Northwestern's been the last few years, I'm I'm kind of worried. And you're, you know, you're a Chicago yeah. guy. I'm kind of worried, like, and with how the transfer portal is working out and, like, they have limitations with their academics for doing all of that. Yes. Like, are they going to be kind of left in the dust a little bit here? 100%. Think? I think they are kind of – I don't know if they're ever going to be what they were for a couple years there. Well, Northwestern's pattern is they're terrible for three years and then they go to the Big Ten title game every, like, four years or whatever. Fitzgerald's a phenomenal coach with the right team. Is uh, very much he, – he preaches Chicago football. It's the same for Bears football. It's the same for a lot of high school football in the area. It's defense and run the ball. That's how it is. You're never getting – the biggest staple quarterback Chicago might have had right now is J.J. McCarthy. But, yeah, he didn't He went to Nazca. But he wasn't even literally from the city. But if we're talking Chicago land, we'll give those Chicago people credit. But uh, (laughs) Pat Fitzgerald, he really just runs with that Chicago philosophy, run the ball and go with defense. And Northwestern's a team. That they're never going to have an offense. They just won't. I know they had um, Clayton Thorson for a little bit of QB. Trevor He's, Simeon. Trevor Simeon. Uh, I saw Simeon play. Simeon was low-key better in NFL than college, too. Yes. Like, oh, I know, yeah. 
Yeah. And Justin Jackson is probably one of their better running backs. He was a four-year guy. He was really good for them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They're like a classic. They turn into like a classic Big Ten team. And But then when NIL hit and when Transfer Portal hit, it was like they're not going to have the type of advantages that they once had where they were a development team. Mm-hmm. They're still going to be able to do that. But, you know, I mean, look, last weekend, Nebraska beat Iowa with all their transfer players. Mm-hmm. That's literally what happened. We didn't have yeah. any of those guys last year. And then we just, you know, so it's not the same league that it once was in terms of that. So I expect Pat Fitzgerald. I don't know. He, he's a Northwestern guy. That's the thing. I think he deserves better, and he probably could get a really good offer. But the only school in terms of the structure of the school, maybe not so much athletics, that's similar to Northwestern is Notre Dame. They're academically driven. They're private. Now, where the two are different is Notre Dame's football culture is almost unparalleled to some other even crazy colleges yeah. in the country, right? So let alone Northwestern. And that's what they have going for them. They, they have a solid culture, and they bring in really good recruits. I mean, they stole uh, Brandon Joseph, the star Northwestern safety or corner, mm-hmm. defensive back, uh, that's having a phenomenal year with the Irish. Northwestern isn't the most – they have the worst stadium in college football. They, they have the worst stadium in America. I don't care what sport. It's the worst stadium in North America – in the Americas, Dan. I'll go on a limb. It's Wait, the worst – I've never been there. Is it actually that it's bad? It's that bad. Oh, I know they're getting a new one like in a year or two. Yeah, which should be pretty nice. But right now, oh, my Damn. goodness. I uh, g- uh, Senior year of high school, I actually did a marching band thing there. They took a ton of bands from the Chicagoland mm-hmm. area. And it's real grass, but it's like not tended to. It's so bad. There were so many bumps in it, and I almost tripped because you know marching band, you're sliding your feet yeah. and stuff. You got to be very still. That's the worst feel in college football, right? So who would want to play for a team that gets one win a year, that has the worst field in college football, and that they're different than Notre Dame in a sense where Notre Dame will hold athletics a little higher than academics. Where Northwestern, it's like 99% academics. And one percent athletics. The difference is, Notre Dame's football players go to Notre Dame to play football. football. Yep. Northwestern's football players, a majority, if not all of them, are going there to get their degree from yes. Northwestern more so than football. Because, shoot, I mean they've been good at developing talent into the NFL, but it's nothing like the academics it's are. Something like Notre Dame. It's so that's the difference there. They're going to have a tough task competing to win the Big Ten at all. Like, and when I say competing, I mean like. Even giving Ohio State a good game like they once had a couple years ago, I don't know if they'll ever do that again. And so um, we'll see. Fitzgerald could do it. It's just you know they just went one and eleven. So you got to get guys to buy into your philosophy. And when you're at the stage Northwestern's at, oof, it's something that's tough to do. Yeah. So that's something I've been wanting to talk about because it, I, they were a really solid program. But I think the transfer portal is going to be tough for them. Uh, moving on though, Hugh Freeze is now going to Auburn. He was at Liberty for the last few years. Um, they actually Liberty beat Arkansas this year, but uh, they also started playing terrible the last couple of weeks. They just lost North. Uh, they lost to New Mexico State well, last Saturday, who's just not a very good team. Um, so they probably knew that he was going to end up leaving. That's probably why they started playing bad. That happens. Um, so yeah, Hugh Freeze is now going to Auburn. He had a weird incident at. Ole Miss, I'm not going to get into the details because I don't fully remember what it was, but he had some sleazy off-the-field stuff, so he got fired from Ole Miss uh, back in the mid-2010s. 
but he's now back in the SEC, and I think he's earned that just with how well he's coached at Liberty. Uh, also, you know, what was it? What's the last name? Willis. They had a QB go in the first round last year. Oh yeah, he's on Malik Willis. Malik he's Willis. on uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, he's gotten some playing time. Yeah, so you know they had a quarterback draft in the first round. So, you know, that's another big coaching change. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's just an interesting hire because of his past, so. It's not, yeah, n- no doubt, but it's it's interesting. A guy coming back into the SEC after spending time at Liberty. I, Liberty was ranked for the past couple of years with Malik Willis. I mean, they, they went to good bowl games. They had good seasons. Again, I think you look at who they play, and that comes into a conversation. But it, you play who you play. Yeah. And... You're given a schedule, and you're told, go win 12 games if you can. And, uh, you know, Freeze did that at Liberty, and he developed a first-round quarterback. In terms of going into the SEC, that's one of the hardest conferences to play in. It's the, it's the moneymaker. It's got the biggest stadiums, the biggest players, the highest-drafted players, the craziest fan bases, the biggest, partiest, the, the biggest partiest schools. Literally. <laughs> Say it all, yeah. Everything. What don't they have? Snow. That's what they don't have. Cold weather and snow. Yeah, they're pretty much just the Big Ten, except culturally they're more into football a lot. Mm-hmm. Like going to their football games is like church. You oh, see, it is. You look at Big Ten games, they're wearing what me and you are wearing. Sweatshirts, maybe a hat. It's just, you know, we are got the game. We're trying to be warm. <laughs> SEC, it's like a whole cultural affair where they're like, they're all dressed like they're going to church. It's like, dude. Calm down a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I think he's proven that he's a good coach. And so Auburn is a program that, you know, their boosters and their fan base are more toxic than Nebraska, which is saying quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I guess our fans aren't that toxic, but our boosters are – they're something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to be honest, you know, I think he'll do well there. Hopefully he does. I like to see Auburn give Bama a good run every year. That's always fun. when yes. The Iron Bowl hasn't been what it once was. The last few years, so not that one year where they had the the missed field goal return for a touchdown and it iconic Davis. That was iconic. I mean, even last year they gave Auburn gave Bama a good game. They did. Yeah, that's one of my favorite all time play by play calls. I think it was the Auburn radio play by play announcer. As soon as Davis hit, because he was going at his own forty and he nearly got pushed out of bounds and he tiptoed. And then probably once he had his own 30, the announcer's like, Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football Davis game. Davis is going to score. <laughs> they, they went crazy. That was, that, was like a, that was a top 10 moment in like football. That was amazing. Yes. It was a field goal return for a touchdown. And like Nick Saban, it could have – because I think the game was tied at the time. I think it was – we had to look – One way to find out. I think it was tied at 28, and all Nick Saban had to do was like – forced to overtime but they decided to kick a really long field goal um that ended up they didn't end up winning the national championship that year because of it but uh that's always good when they don't win it <laughs> I know, right but you did mention it was tied yeah it was tied yep okay and that was in 2013 which is wild yes. looking that's back. the year after they they walloped my irish in the, in the oh yeah i don't want to talk about that folks if i'm ever on here again and we get anybody calling in to talk about that game i'm walking out of the room yeah, I just tough. remember Monte Teo was like, did not have a good game. Well, because of uh, the catfish scandal. That's a whole thing. That's a <laughs> that's a whole other. That's a whole. The ESPN thirty for thirty. Go watch or it, folks. We don't have time to tell you. No, I don't no. want to because it hurts. <laughs> so you mentioned Deion Sanders. Yes. Um, 
I know that Colorado is like offered him the job there, which is cool. Um, culturally, Colorado probably in, in Dion. Actually, that would fit just because Dion's so like eccentric. Maybe he would like it in Boulder. I don't know. He, I, don't... I just don't get. Look, I think the one knock against him is he hasn't coached Power Five football. Mm-hmm. That's probably it, it's kind of uh, it's it's kind of like Mickey. You talk about the cons of having Mickey back, maybe a. a conflict of interest in the locker room and head coaching experience for Dion, it's you know does he have power five but at the end of the day this is the best corner the nfl's ever seen he's the second best return man of all time this is a guy who's been around the block and he's turned jackson state from nothing well obviously they were a lot with in the uh walter payton days but he took jackson state which is nothing Mm-hmm. And is helping them compete in FCS. Yeah, they're eleven and zero right now. And something that's weird about FCS is some of those like, not every school plays for the FCS playoffs. Like the Ivy League doesn't play for the FCS playoffs. They don't. No. And then a lot of those Southern like HBCU schools, they, they don't. don't play for the playoffs either. And Jackson State's one of those. Yeah, and so they're undefeated. I wish that they would because, like, a North Dakota State versus Jackson State game would be sick. That would be insane. That'd be so cool, but that they don't play in the FCS playoffs. I think they do like something else. It's like they do a bowl game, or like an FCS bowl, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're not. I mean, they're gonna. I think they have one more game, but yeah, no, that's exactly right. The only knock on Dion right now is that he hasn't coached Power Five football, and so you know now he is gonna get offers every year. He's still at Jackson State. I mean, people are gonna want him. I really like him at Jackson State just because it's like. It's this small HBCU in Mississippi, and they're not competing at a big stage. But, like, the amount that he's putting into that community and that school is so much more than he would, like, offer a school like Colorado that's just looking to win some football games, like, badly because they're worse than we are. And so, uh, yeah, no, I I would be a little bit jealous just because the the Dion hire has a lot of swag to it. It And so we play Colorado next year, too. Yes, week two, week two. Mm -hmm. Um. I personally wanted Deion Sanders. I like going for the best available. I'm a guy, let's put all the chips on. Let's see what happens. And Same. with Dion, again, that's a guy that's going to help your defense as well. Your offense, if you get the South Carolina coach, I'm going to look up the name one more time. But if you make that pick up, you're in a good spot to say the least. Um. And I think in a place like Nebraska that has this rich tradition of winning, Dion is going to help you bring that back. And I think a lot of it, I know we just keep talking about it over and over and over again, but the swagger he brings, that has more of an impact than you think it would. Because there's a certain confidence players need to have going in. How confident do you think um, a school... Yeah, well, we've been talking about it a little. Take Liberty, if they were to play Alabama or Georgia. How confident do you think they're going in if they have me as head coach? Oh, granted, let's say I have some football experience. If they have me going in versus Deion Sanders. It's totally different. And I didn't think that bas- – or excuse me, I didn't think football was that mental until I saw our football team play last year here in Nebraska, and it was literally like a mental block was on them every game. Yeah. And – 
so yeah, no, I agree. Like if Dion is their coach and if things are rolling well, that's the thing about Dion. I think it's either really good or it's really bad. I don't think there's a lot of in between for Dion. No. Just like mm-hmm. and I saw like him his coaching really began in Dallas. He started his own school, which this was in like the 2012, 2013 like that time. He started his own school, which then had a lot of like weird stuff go on like I don't know. Starting your own high school that's based around like literally a football team is is sus, okay? And then I think they only they folded after a couple years. Like I remember my high school, we went to an SMU football practice, and it was us, and then it was Dion's school. And so literally Dion's oh. school and my school were like watching SMU practice a football game or a football like right before one of their first games. And so it was like something we got to do as a team. It was kind of cool. But I remember talking to the players who like they played for Dion's school. But then that school ended up folding because of, like, money issues. There was a lot of stuff that people don't talk about. It was kind of weird. I don't know. Starting your own school is its own, like, whole. Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's it's like ridiculous. when Kanye with the Donda Academy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's ridiculous. But then he ended up, he went to an established high school, which was, like, a private school in South Dallas. Um, actually played against them in high school, Trinity Cedar Hill. Oh, nice. We got wrecked every time. <laughs> uh, so then he went there. Actually, Mo Washington, who used to play here, Maurice Washington, who got kicked off the team back in the day. He actually played for Dion in 2017. That was the fall. And then, you know, from – so he kind of propelled from, okay, his school didn't work. Then he coached at a high school that was established, built them up from – well, they were already good before they had him. But now it's just at a different level. But then he took off with his sons being good at football. He took them with him to Jackson State. They, I mean, they kind of did take a risk on him, being that he only was a high school coach before mm-hmm. he was at Jackson State. And so then it's kind of like he made a jump from – um, a private school football team in Dallas to D1 college football. And then the next big move, it's going to be power five football. And um, it'd be crazy if it, he ended up at Colorado or another big school like that. But uh, yeah, I kind of just went off on you on all of that, but that's the timeline I've wa- I've been watching this yeah. uh, unfold. So um, better, he had a better seat to it than, uh, than I did. But mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know what you're getting, but, it, it it's going to be a hit or miss. There's no in between. He's either going to get you to eleven and one, twelve and zero, more likely nine plus win, or the same as what you're seeing. He's not going to get you between four and eight wins. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't thought think so. I thought he could help the defense a little more. I thought he could route, even though Nebraska is probably the best. Probably no, it is the best college football fan base in the country. Yeah, you maybe think that he could rally it even more and build it up to. To something completely higher than what anybody thought it would get to. It needs to be something different because there's no way that we're going to ever replicate what we once were in the 90s. That's just a totally different time. It has to be something that's more modern, and I think he potentially brings that. But obviously, we may never know because we have Matt Rule, who I think could be a really good hire, especially if we become like a team with an identity. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a whole lot of unknowns. I hope he stays at Jackson State for the time being, but someone's going to get him someday. Uh, but yeah, the big game over the weekend, though, in college football, you, you had to have watched it. Michigan-Ohio State. You bet. So going into the game, I remember I listened to Joel Klatt talk on Fox Sports uh, over the week, and he said that Blake Corum was out, and he said that Donovan, Ed- uh, Donovan Edwards was out. And I'm thinking, okay, those are their top two running backs <laughs> out. There's no way they're going to beat Ohio State if they don't have those two guys. Well, Corum tried to give it a go, lasted a couple plays, 
And so I'm like, oh, they're screwed. But no, Donovan Edwards ended up actually playing and then rushed for like, I don't know, 200-something yards, especially those two late big runs. Mm -hmm. And they ran Ohio State out of their own building. Yeah, I mean, Michigan, first off, they proved to the country. Now, when we were doing the game, uh, Dan, this was a team that was running all over us. They're a three-deep running back team with Blake Corm, Donovan Edwards, and C.J. Stokes. And honestly, if C.J. If Stokes gets the start, they're probably still in a good position. He could go for 120, 130 yards. Me and you could have ran through those holes. That's true. Crazy. I mean, if I, got the, <laughs> if I have the Michigan offensive line. You'll rush for positive yards. Chances are I'm probably <laughs> averaging six yards a carry, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll never know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll never know. No, no. But, yeah. I think one of my things I thought about the Michigan offense before going into this game is it's a run heavy and it's very West Coast passing. J.J., his receivers, you got guys like Ronnie Bell and uh, Cornelius Johnson who can really let it fly up the field. But they're also quick on short short yardage situations. So you get them on a five-yard five yard slant, 10-yard dig – shoot, they're maybe going for 40 yards after that, kind of like what we were mentioning about Trey Palmer earlier. And that's something we'd seen out of them. Uh, they look at those guys like that, and especially with Luke Schoonmaker. I mean, at tight end, it's the same thing. But tight ends are kind of meant for more short, you know, 10, 15-yard yeah. plays. Uh, but J.J. just let it fly. He, I mean, in the post-game interview on the field, he said the defense, they – they were ready for the run so much that he just had to let it fly. It's like when you, it's like when you blitz eight and your safeties they play more of a cover two. They play up on you. You get them in man coverage. JJ's going to beat you in man coverage. Yeah, Ohio State, they really hadn't been tested like they were that game yeah. all year, and I mean, I, I didn't think McCarthy had done a whole lot in the passing game leading up to that game mm -hmm. but he proved himself the biggest game of his life so now here you are michigan 12 and 0 probably going to stomp purdue this weekend in the big 10 ch championship game which is now a joke because the big 10 west is the worst division in power five <laughs> but you know now going forward i mean ohio state depending on how this work uh, weekend works out they may just be out because of their loss if it was a close loss i think you could say okay ohio state may deserve another chance like SEC schools have gotten in the past, you know, six, seven years. Yeah. But here you go. It's going to be iffy if they even make it because of how dominant Michigan was. Does the poll come out tonight? College football playoff should come out tonight. tonight. It's I, six, right? Yeah, that's in like 10 minutes. Oh, hey. hey. Maybe we'll make it to that point. I don't know if Ohio State gets in. Uh, Notre Dame played them well at the start of the year, so that's kind of a knock against them. And... Look, Michigan didn't just beat them and get by like they did last year. They they completely stomped them. Yeah, last year I gave the snow some credit because <laughs> it was a run game with the snow, but kind of like how they would have beat Nebraska more if it weren't so dang cold. And you you know you called that game. You probably yeah. so. Um, but yeah, Michigan looking like they're going to end up being a top two playoff team right now. A game that I was happy about, and I'm I really don't like Texas A and M. But a game that I was happy about was A&M beating LSU because it kind of just, you know, I didn't think, I thought LSU was good, but I didn't think they were worthy of being, like, a contender for the playoff yet. Mm -hmm. They should be there in the next couple of years. But I was happy A&M got that win over them because I was like, okay, they're not legit because they lost to a, a not a very good team in A&M. And so 
that game happened as well. Um, another one. I mean, there were so many rivalry games we could talk about. And wanna, a lot of upsets, too. There were a lot of upsets. I mean, you could say Michigan-Ohio State was an upset. Uh, no, but now we see which team is a lot better. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I'm happy TCU's 12-0. That's a team that I root for. I hope that they can win another game, get you know, get the Big 12 in the playoff. They're, they're the funnest league, in my opinion, just because they beat each other up mm-hmm. and so much. like, And they somehow survived that gauntlet. So they're moving on. They're playing Kansas State this weekend, so that's going to be an interesting game just because Will Howard is now like the established starter there with Adrian out. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Heisman Trophy's not as cool as it once was, I feel like, just because it's become like a quarterback award. But uh, – Caleb Williams oh. looked really good against Notre Dame. Ooh. It's like he's playing video games. He's a created player right now. I was, as a diehard fan, as a diehard fighting Irish oh, fan. No. Um, I didn't know that until today, by the way. Really? No. Oh, I sing the praises usually, but uh, I, I had to take a couple days off from school. I was a little shaken. It's never <laughs> good. I'll tell you, as a Notre Dame fan, I'll tell you this. There's two bad days. There's, this is what makes a bad day. If you lose to USC or Stanford and Michigan wins, and I had to go through two of those this year. Oh, no. We're like, what? One of Stanford's two wins. But that's besides the point. Notre Dame, in my opinion, they should be ranked, but they should be ranked 24th, 25th. I don't think they deserve to be 19 right now. They didn't deserve 13. But at the end of the day, watching that USC game, I I went into it thinking, okay, you know, USC hasn't beaten us since 2016 when we went 4-8. and eight. And it's funny, Dan, I've, I've seen a winning season every year but 2016, and I'll complain here in Nebraska, you know, we were 8-4, and four, or sorry, we were 4-8, and eight, we lost to Syracuse, and like, I, some of my Nebraska buddies who are diehard fans are like, I would kill for 4-8, and eight, man, I would kill for 6-6. Six and six. So I have, been, I have been spoiled, but at the end of the day, Caleb Williams was built different in that game. Uh, our defense is a strength, to say the least. We have Isaiah Foskey, who is an NFL draft prospect. He got Brandon Joseph, one of the best D-backs. Benjamin Morrison, who had three picks against Boston College. I don't care that it was against Boston College. You have three picks in a game? That's wild. Yeah. Caleb Williams just ran over everybody, literally. I... It was so There was nothing you could do. And the passing, the the run game was... It was spot on. Um... Just every area, honestly, Dan, every area of the game, they capitalized. In terms of rushing, Jones, uh, Austin Jones for the Trojans, 154 yards on 25 attempts. That's pretty good. Um, Washington had 34 yards, a touchdown, on only on three receptions. But Caleb Williams, here's the stat line, 18-22, 232 yards and a touchdown, but three rushing touchdowns in addition to that. The read option, he was so smooth, too. It's wild to me that Spencer Rattler was starting over him for, like, five yeah. games last year at Oklahoma. I'm like, it was just a totally different team when he was the starter there. And now, you know, is USC going to get a spot in the playoff? I think they should. And that kills me. That that kills me. I do not like USC. you got to have Caleb Williams in there, man. I think I think they've earned it. And they've beaten, you know, several ranked teams on the year. We'll go through the list. Uh, they beat us at 15. They beat UCLA, UCLA excuse me, at 16. Uh, they did lose to Utah, but 2-1 and one in top 25 games, that's pretty good. And Notre Dame being a 
back-to-back rivalry wins too. You have the LA rivalry, and then you have the rival of the Golden Shillelagh. I didn't even know that until right now. The Golden Shillelagh? Yeah. Yeah, that's the It's trophy. a cool rivalry, though, just because they're both blue bloods. Um, but it was it was tough, and I think Andy, <coughs> Andy battled them pretty well. Um, what final score was 37-28. Yep, 38-27, excuse me. Uh, Andy doesn't have receivers, so the fact that they were able to put up 27 points on USC was pretty good. They yeah. just have Michael Mayer, and that's about it. Yeah, I don't. I've never. Notre Dame seems like they could be so much more on offense, but they never really have that. Oh man, they always have a good running game. I feel like they're good at tight ends, and they're always stacked at tight end. But they haven't had that. I mean, I think about Chase Claypool. He was really good wide receiver. Miles Boykin, Will Fuller, Chris, Chris Brown, Amir Carlisle. Those are some of the names that are ringing up to me. Yeah. But none of them really. Chase Claypool's probably made the most progress, and he's he's a good receiver. But he's a mid in the NFL. They they have tight ends, running backs. They always have really good college quarter, really good college quarterbacks, not NFL quarterbacks. But that doesn't matter because you're playing college football. Mm-hmm. And I think that punished them against USC. But USC was able to exploit it. They took away the run for the most part. And look, they've got a lot of momentum going for them. Caleb Williams looked like a human joystick. They were running triple options. They were running fake. I mean, they were doing flea flickers. They were, they were pulling every trick they out of the fun. bag, and it was shocking me too because I watched Williams go play action to Jones, then he'd flip it back to his receiver, who would flip it back to another receiver, and they'd throw it. And they did that a couple times. They're yeah. ready, and they're playing with swagger. And Lincoln Riley's the guy for that job. USC's back. They've been getting better every week too, and they have a chance to. I mean, if they beat Utah. In the Pac-12 title. That I avenges mean, that loss from way, earlier this like, year. Okay, the one game you lost, you beat them. When it even counted more. When it counted more. That way, you know, you've got to put them in the playoff if they win. They'd be a four. They would probably be a four. I think TCU at 13-0 and would be a three. three. And then Georgia, Michigan. Me, yeah. That is, of course, if LSU or Purdue don't pull off some crazy <laughs> stuff. If LSU beats Georgia. They're in. You think LSU's in? Yeah. But it's Brian Kelly, so they'll lose by like thirty to three. <laughs> I think they'd put because if LSU beats Georgia, does that knock Georgia out? Now we got to get into all the scenarios of like. I like scenarios. I like okay, scenarios. let's look at the games this weekend. Kansas State, TCU. My pick for this one's TCU. What do you think? Same here. Okay, uh, what, what's another notable game? I just want to say there's this NCA rule that if it's your first year in the FBS, you can't play in the postseason. So technically, James Madison should be playing for a conference title, but they can't because it's their first year in FBS. They can't even go to a bowl. I don't like that. It's a dumb rule. They beat, they beat Coastal Carolina by 40, and now Coastal Carolina is going to the conference title instead of them. Dumb rule. Change it. Okay? Agreed. So want to say that real quick. Also, um, so yeah, just wanted to say that real quick. Also, Spencer Rattler was smoking a cigar after beating Clemson. <laughs> just a funny, funny thing to point out. But... Moving on. Uh, we can do a little pick them here. LSU, Georgia. I'm picking Georgia here. I just think their defense is too good. I'm sticking with the faithful from South Bend, Indiana. Go Brian Kelly. You guys got this. Go go Tigers. <laughs> I would like to see that. I, I think they could do it. Um, now, this is a, this is American Conference, but I'm going to pick Tulane over UCF. They're both ranked in the American um, kid Tulane's from my fun. high school plays for Tulane. Really? Tight end. That's sweet. They're a fun team. Their their uniforms are like top five in the college football. It's a game. great. It's a, you got the dark green, but then you kind of have like a baby blue. 
who like okay who else is able to mix like a dark green and a baby blue and make it look good that's really hard and they did a really good job with it so uh Tulane's sweet i love them right now uh purdue michigan i'm not even gonna consider this one michigan's gonna win this draw game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no not uh, michigan clemson north carolina yeah, neither of these teams are playing to get into the playoffs so an underwhelming acc title game I'll go Clemson, though. I think they bounced back from their, their loss last week. I'd like to see North Carolina win. I'll I roll the too. dice. I'll roll the dice with them. So the I'll fighting, take a couple upsets. The fighting Mac Browns. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see that. But, yeah, if things play out – oh, we didn't even get – okay, USC, Utah. I'm going to say low-key I want to pick Utah again. I think USC's rolling, though. USC I, re- I really fire. do. I'm going to pick because I need to get an upset in. I don't want to just, you know, I'm going to say Utah <laughs> upsets USC. I don't I really shouldn't be saying this, but I just want to. USC should win, though, and then they would be, you know, the number four or the number three in the playoffs. So it should, you know, shape out the way we think, but you never know. So we'll, we'll see in a week how it all plays out. I'm excited about it. Um, but yeah, that's what we got. Yeah, and like, you have a note here. Would this have been a good season for a 12-team playoff? I, yeah. It yeah. Really would have. Because there's no – I mean, shoot. Georgia had a couple games where they didn't look too great. You know, they're not perfect. Um, obviously, Michigan, they're a damn good team. But they're not, you know, they're not like world beaters or anything at the same time. And so – there's a lot of teams that could, you know, play spoiler if they were to get into a 12-team playoff. Uh, even like a shoot, like a Kansas State could do that. Ooh. So yeah, it would have been a cool year for a four or for a 12-team playoff. In years where there's a 2019 LSU team, don't like it's just a waste of time to do a 12-team playoff. I feel just like just do the four and get it. Just do go back to BCS and get it over with. Yeah, just get it over with. But yeah, would have been cool to see. Um, <clears throat> Dang, I did pretty well with having a cough today. Hey, folks, give Daniel Magnuson a hand for dealing with that. Yeah, woo. <laughs> yeah, no. But, uh, yeah, I think that's everything, man. Um, looking forward to the games this weekend. Um, yeah, hopefully our teams, Notre Dame, hopefully they do well in the future. If college football is good when Notre Dame's doing well, when Nebraska's doing well, and when Texas is doing terrible. Yes, so. <laughs> as long as horns are down, we don't care. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that's everything. Um, no, thanks for coming on, Josh. It was great having you on the Ooh. podcast tonight. Thank you for having me, Daniel. Appreciate sure. it. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, that's everything. Uh, oh, quick before I got to do this before we're done. Quick shout out to Reactor Coffee here in Lincoln. They, uh, you know, help me out by giving me free coffee every week. Uh, go check them out on two one four two Y Street, Lincoln, Nebraska. But that's everything. Run the damn ball. <laughs>